Alrighty, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 504, and we're recording live on February 16th. Uh, how are you, Abriana? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, we had a long weekend, so that was nice. And uh, President's Day being yesterday and Valentine's, so lots of like fun family activities as much as we could come up with. And uh, yeah, and then last night here in Atlanta, we got what I'm calling like a sneeze of snow. It's literally like a dusting. So all the schools are either virtual or canceled today. <laughs> um, it's really laughable, like if you're from the Northeast, but um, yeah, so, you know, just navigating that and trying to get back into a, a shortened work week, but everything's going pretty good. Awesome, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, so up here, We've had it pretty good, uh, you know, in the Toronto area. We've had uh, very little, if any, snow. Just, to, you know, usually we get a little dusting and then it's like been warm. So it's all melted within an hour or two. And like I've had mostly green grass for the entire winter. And then last night we got probably sort of the, the other part of the same storm, you know, that's hitting the whole sort of central us whatever i heard texas has got pretty good and and whatever but anyways we got some snow last night so we've got about a foot of snow on the ground this morning and uh, apparently some more coming this week so we'll see we finally have winter yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah so that's about it um i don't have any anything else to say it's been it's you know we also had a long weekend up here uh i spent most of it you know doing uh work but uh you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, there was a lot of interesting Valentine's Day celebrations going on, uh, socially dis distanced or however. We have a couple stories to talk about uh, on today's show that are Valentine's oriented. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I did get out and go skating with my family yesterday for an hour or so. So that was nice on a pond, local, like a pond that was frozen in the area. So it was good. That's so fun. Ugh, I wish we could do that here. I mean, I think there is an outdoor skating rink I came across. So I was like, oh, maybe we'll go do that. But um, obviously, it's a little harder to keep things cold around here. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it is. All right, well, let's jump right into it. We've got uh, four stories we want to cover this week, and I'll let Abriana start us off. Yeah, so this is a fun campaign that Shake Shack did. They actually uh, partnered with Boys to Men. Um, so, you know, taking it back way, uh, way into this was our, you know, favorite records. Uh, but they did this campaign. And I mean, think about like they actually had the singing, I'll shake love to you instead of I'll make love to you with Boys to Men singing. Um, and so they partnered with DoorDash to do this. And so they were doing delivery and they also live streamed a concert Valentine's evening, which was available, I think on Facebook and Instagram and, um, Twitch, I believe. So, you know, trying to give couples a fun, you know, romantic evening from home. Um, they also had some limited edition items that they brought out like berries, Timmin, uh, milkshake, theme and if you were in new york city or philly you could actually get some merch like scented candles and t-shirts and fun things like that so i think this is super fun like you know i love just uh bringing different things together you know like uh entertainment from a content perspective especially music um and 
like around the hall, obviously, you know, what's not to love about Shake Shack burgers, fries, and milkshakes. Um, although, you know, it may not be like your favorite date night food <laughs> if you're uh, just starting, you know, a relationship, but maybe if you're like a little more comfortable, <laughs> uh, you know, it might be one of your, your go-to faves. So I think this is a fun, uh, you know, campaign that they ran and, and I love the creativity, uh, the delivery aspect, the social aspect of this. Um, you know, I wish they would have maybe brought in a little bit more social aspect where, uh, you know, maybe couples would have been rewarded for, uh, you know, sharing that they were streaming the the concert or you know something like that alongside of Shake Shack um, for recognition but I think that overall it's a pretty pretty good campaign they ran yeah I I like it too I think it's it's fun obviously it harkens back to a, you know a different era with it being boys to men and you know uh, you know for for us older uh, folks uh, I think that's interesting. You know, and, and obviously there's, there was the live sort of component to it. So at 8 p.m. Eastern on Valentine's Day, you could go on to Facebook Live or Instagram Live and see this performance from Boys to Men. Uh, so that I think that was kind of fun. You know, like, I, I find it super interesting right now that, you know, there's so many things going on, you know, that draw on the music of the 80s or the television of the 80s and, you know, and early 90s. Uh, where, you know, they, they've had all these sort of events during COVID of, you know, sort of, um, you know, recasting, you know, TV shows, you know, as a one-off with, you know, uh, you know, black actors, you know, and things like that and kind of doing these, you know, these special events and, you know, and, and some shows are actually being, you know, um, you know, sequels are being made of, of 80s TV shows. I heard they were doing like a remake of Knight Rider now or something. I don't know. I don't know. Like there's all this stuff going on. Right. But it, but I, I find it super interesting that, you know, this is back. And even this morning I turned on the news, uh, like just our regular news channel up here. And they were saying that, you know, with uh, COVID and mental health and all these things that are happening with people being in lockdown, apparently new research has said that one of the things that can calm you down the most is listening to music from the 80s. Uh, I have no idea why I didn't have time to stick around and listen to this, but, and then like, so they had all the hosts on the news thing, like pick their favorite 80 song. And then they played like, it was like, it was crazy. Like, so it was like jitterbug and like <laughs> careless whisper. And like, I'm like, what is happening over here? Um, but anyways, um, yeah, so, so I, I like it. And, and I like that they had that event going on, on the sort of Facebook and Instagram live piece of it. I like sort of how they're teaming up with this DoorDash and 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 Shake Shack kind of working together to kind of bring these special things out because people can't go and book reservations for that, you know, special Valentine's dinner like you would have in the past. So I think it's neat. I think it's creative I, I, and I think it's a cool way to kind of, you know, just try something different. And, um, you know, and, and a Shake Shack, you know, they make a good burger and, and a shake. So, I mean, why not? <laughs> there you go. All right, um, on to our second story. Uh, so this one is about a, a new company, new product that's launching um, in uh, the UK called GeoProve. Uh, that's one word, GeoProve. Um, and it's being launched by Naren Patel and Matt Tiemann, who are the former uh, heads of PrimeSight, a well-known UK 
location uh, technology company. So basically what they're doing with GeoProve is this is a mobile location verification platform is what they call it that helps advertisers ensure that the campaigns that they're delivering are actually reaching customers with accurate data. And so they claim that um, it, that they're able to sort of verify uh, the accuracy of the delivery of the ad content and that it's actually going to, you know, a, a real mobile device and not like, you know, sort of a sort of fake generated, you know, sort of, um, you know, counting in the, uh, you know, sort of views and that type of thing. So, um, you know, obviously we know ad fraud is a huge problem in, uh, in, in the advertising industry, in the location uh, world specifically. We know there's you know all sorts of fake data out there as well. You know, obviously at the LBMA we talk a lot about this. Uh, you know, people are you know um, greatly using location data and location ad targeting, but you know the confidence year over year we track in our annual survey the con their confidence in you know the accuracy of that data and, and and the viability of that data. And while it's getting better, it's still nowhere near uh, where it needs to be. So, so I think there is room for tools like GeoProve to kind of go out and verify, um, you know, that uh, the campaign is working and that, uh, you know, it's it's actually being delivered to, um, you know, to, uh, to to devices that are that are actually seeing this. And so, um, so they've uh, kind of got this uh, health check that they call it a location health score and a location supply score which are part of this sort of verification system, if you will. Um, and uh, they've been trialing this on a couple of, uh, of campaigns already um, and uh, seeing some good results. So um, I, I think it's interesting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it is interesting, but I, um, you know, there's a few thoughts that come to mind. One, I think it's an interesting time to start any type of a, a, a geo-focused uh, tool set or you know, based company. Uh, and I also find it very interesting that of all places that they're doing this in, uh, because obviously location data is, is much harder to come by there um, and it's a lot harder to make sure that things are in compliance. So while I will echo that you are correct in the fact that location data tends to improve, um, and, you know, we're getting more clarity into what is good quality data, where that comes from, um, you know, how do we better navigate uh, ad fraud, all of those things are improving. I think there's also challenges, including technical challenges where we're getting less and less location data now. Um, and so, you know, how does that, what does that look like for a company like this long term? And how does that, uh, you know, resonate for not only their value proposition, but also for ad fraud as a whole. And, and what are the the things that are going to be able to be used there to to limit that and prevent that moving forward. So I think there's a lot of concern um, and it's just a very wild, wild west time um, in the ad world right now with all of these changes that are happening. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that it's an interesting concept. I think it's, you know, there's there's definitely a need uh, for more preventative measures and offerings to to make sure that campaigns are going where they're supposed to go. Also, it kind of reminds me of uh, location sciences a little bit and kind of what they were doing in terms of like scoring location data um, as a whole. So, you know, it'll just be interesting to see like what is the what's the trajectory of something like this longer term. 
Yeah, I, I think you make a good point. I, I, I think the the timing is interesting. There's no question that the need for this type of verification is there, and it's important and um, and has been a problem in the industry that you know um, advertising networks have uh, you know taken advantage of um, in a lot of ways. So so I think it's really important that way. But but I think. As we see Apple, you know, sort of make their moves around privacy and limit the, you know, the IDFA and the Google Ad ID coming and following along suit and so on, there's less and less of this data out there, meaning that it's going to be harder to activate these campaigns in the first place. And so with what's left, you know, yes, we need to be accurate and, and we need to be able to verify that. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see how those, you know, those two things play play together. So. Um, but yeah, check it out. Uh, GeoProve um, uh, is, is now in the market. All right. So um, on to another food story and some Valentine's fun that, that happened. Um, Girl Scout has partnered with Grubhub for the delivery of their Girl Scout cookies. So um, this is interesting to anybody who loves Girl Scout cookies, which if you don't, you know, I probably just question you as a human being, but uh, you know, it's a big you know, this time of year is having their sign-up sheets for their kids in their offices or, you know, the kids are setting up stands outside of Walmart or wherever there's traffic to sell these cookies. But obviously there's um, some challenges around that. You know, I know around here, there's still some of that that's being done in different ways. Uh, but one thing that they've done is that they did some virtual online cookie uh, booths with Grubhub. So they were able to, to partner up in some select cities so they could accept orders, the payments, uh, fulfill the cookie orders in a contact-free way. Um, and Grubhub actually waived all their fees for the organization and they offered free delivery through Valentine's Day with a purchase of $15, which is great as well. So uh, kind of giving back to the Girl Scout organization, which is nice to see a company like Grubhub doing. I know that we're sometimes talking about like what a, how, how much they're charging, you know, the businesses and things of that need, you know, that they're working with that are, you know, right now. Uh, but this is good, you know, it's good to see Grubhub doing something that's definitely more philanthropic and obviously Girl Scout cookies still being able to, to get those cookies out there and raise money for the organization um, as a whole. So, you know, it's funny, I did Girl Scouts for a second growing up and I really mean a second. And, um, you know, I only remember like the food aspect of it. I, I hardly remember any of like the extra <laughs> stuff that we were supposed to be learning. It was a very food centric troop at that point. Um, so, you know, I think that it's interesting how they're like continuing to just, uh, you know, progress and, and do those things. And I, and I like that something so kind of traditional like Girl Scouts is doing something a little more forward thinking. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's super fun. I know my daughter uh, was involved with, uh, with Girl Scouts for a few years and uh, you know, we, we were, you know, out selling the cookies and trying to raise the money and, and all of that. And, and so I know the challenges of that. And I, and I think it's, it, it's really cool that you can do this online now and that, you know, Grubhub is, you know, sort of uh, offering their platform as a way to kind of get these out to people, especially in, uh, in COVID times. And, and, and I think that um, the other thing that I, I think is interesting about this is the, is the payments piece of it too, right? Because 
I, I think that, you know, just because it's online, because you can sort of order and, and, and you know, use a sort of online or mobile payment type of, of, of platform, it makes it a lot easier and, um, you know, maybe people more willing to buy the cookies, right? Because in the old days, like when we used to go do this, like you're going door to door, like knocking on doors, selling cookies, you know, and, and you know, like you're collecting cash, right? And, you know, it's not like you, you uh, the girls were walking around with little square readers on their phones or something at that time, right? Like it just, it wasn't there. So, um, so, so I think this is, you know, it, it's, it's a neat way to see them evolve and continue to do something that is, as you say, so traditional um and uh and, and and still find ways to get that out there and um i like it I, I i don't know if we have this going on here in canada uh i will have to research if if the girl scouts canada are also uh teaming up with grub well uber eats or somebody up here maybe i don't know um but uh very interesting so all right, our final story for this week uh, is about a company called Firefly. Now we've talked about Firefly before. These are the guys who have uh, taxi and rideshare um, advertising on the top of the cars, uh, like uh, billboard, uh, digital, uh, digital signage uh, on top of the cars. And so they've launched a new platform uh, called Street IQ. It's street.iq uh, if you're looking it up uh, from Firefly. And they say this is a uh, the first and only product to use live data to optimize the out-of-home campaign performance mid-flight. So basically, what they're saying is, is they can measure, the, um, you know, the sort of the reaction and the performance of kind of who's around and who's seeing this stuff um, against, you know, what's what ad content is on the screen and they can kind of look at this by time of day, day of week, you know, the location the vehicle's in um, and screen the creative uh, or, or validate that the creative is resonating uh, with the audience and then kind of change that up in real time. And so, first of all, I love this idea. Um, I think it, it's, uh, it's right central to what we do at the LBMA and this idea of you know, how we talk about location-based marketing is this intersection of people, places, and media, and all of that being real time. Um, and I remember years ago, like I'm talking seven, eight years ago, you know, we, one of the things that we do at the LBMA is these sort of test projects, pilot projects, we call them creative collaborations. We haven't done any actually for a good year uh, now with COVID, but um, way back when, uh, we did this little project with, uh, in New York City where we took a bus that had a digital uh, signage uh, screen on the side of the bus. And this is like eight years ago. This is early, early days. Um, and um, basically, we built this little uh, test data platform where we knew what, um, what creative was on the bus or what creative was possible to be on the bus. So there was like, I think there was only three choices of different creative. Um, and then on the other side, we had uh, four square data. And so what we would do is when the bus stopped at an intersection at a red light, we would see just who, who was on four square in that intersection, like standing around at that time, basically the captive audience relative to that bus. And, and then in real time, we would kind of take that data, build a demographic profile based on the Foursquare data from there, and then deliver one of three uh, pieces of ad content in real time while the bus was still stopped. We would change the content to reflect the people who were standing around. Um, 
And so I think this idea of being able to measure, being able to tweak, being able to understand kind of what's going on and change content based on audience, um, I think is, is, is brilliant. Now, obviously we were just testing that, you know, at that time that it was possible. This is actually a scalable platform, you know, that's available on, you know, on, on top of vehicles, uh, and moving and, and measurable. So, um, you know, obviously things have come a long way since then. So, so I, I like, I, I love the idea of what they're going after here. And, and I think it does, you know, when you're trying to go not so much one-to-one out of home is not really a one-to-one medium. Um, but one to many, but being able to, to sort of uh, really target that many and really know who the many is uh, that's around, you know, this uh, this screen at this time and then be able to target. I think uh, you, you've really tapped into the idea of true location based marketing. So I, I'm uh, I'm quite uh, enamored with this with this solution and interested to learn more about what they're doing. And so they're testing this out right now. The first campaign that they've been doing is with Puma. Uh, the uh, the running shoe uh, brand and um, they've been testing this uh, around their flagship store on Fifth Ave. So uh, New Yorkers get uh, some exposure to this. Yeah, I think this is super interesting. When you think about advertising as a whole, there's a lot of um, variables. And so, you know, I think the goal always is to have the most control over those variables and then be able to address those within real time for optimum performance of any campaign, right? Um, so, you know, when you think it's with that specific audience, but part of that variable also is the creative, as you mentioned. And so when you think about uh, the ability to optimize that creative and make it, you know, what resonates best with the audience that's there or predictive, um, I think is, is really interesting. I actually caught up with, um, I'm sure you remember RJ Talier. Uh, used to be pretty involved in LBMA back in the day, and um, he launched his company, Pattern 89, uh, not too long ago, maybe four or five years ago now, and uh, they're doing great. And so we were we were catching up last week and just talking about what they're up to, about how they're using AI to make those better decisions, you know, pre-campaign, but also in the, you know, in the middle of the campaign about what creative is resonating and what's more optimal. And so I love seeing these types of approaches with like Street IQ, Firefly, like what does that look like for digital out of home? What does that look like for, you know, any digital contained in real time. So I thought, you know, for so long, there's been a focus on, on the ad format or the audience it's targeted to, and there's been less consideration on what the creative is that resonates with that audience. And so pulling those things together and making sure that they're working um, hand in hand is, is um, you know, it, it just goes back to like, there's a scientific method rather than it just being an art. There's actually things that you can measure and the more that you can control um, obviously, and, and have less variables, the better the outcome is going to be. So I think that it just, uh, it's cool to see this happening like in digital out of home and, and as well as just, you know, traditional digital advertising. Agree. Agree. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to watch that one closely because I, I think it's, uh, it's got a lot of potential to, you know, sort of, uh, be something that I think, um, from a tech point of view, from a, you know, sort of how we approach, you know, the ad delivery and the measurement side of things, you know, can be applied to so many other parts of the, uh, the digital out of home ecosystem, you know, not just, you know, car, uh, car tops, but um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So 
Yeah, so that's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, four stories there um, and uh, a wide array of things uh, to cover. But um, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, something piqued your interest in that. Um, you've been listening to episode number 504 of Location Weekly. We thank you for your time. Uh, and uh, of course, if you have story ideas, reach out to us. Uh, if you have feedback, we want to hear about that too. Give us some love on social media. Uh, again, we want to welcome uh, our newest audience uh, in India who's uh, consuming this on the Awas uh, podcast platform there. Um, we're glad to have you guys on board too. Uh, feel free to join in, send us stories of what's going on over there too. We want to include that in, uh, in the show. So um, yeah, have a good week, everybody. We'll be back next week uh, with yet another show and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.